citizens of the verse. Today is March 23rd, 2953, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host tonight, the man with all the questions, Mr. Seagard Olfsen. Hello, Seagard. I have all the questions. All the weekly questions, sometimes for weeks in advance. Um, (laughs) And, uh, of course, tonight we're actually joined by two guests. First up, the man who needs no introduction whatsoever, uh, because he's practically a co-host of the show half the time, uh, at least when we could download his audio. Uh, That's Canuck2099. Welcome back, Canuck. Well, thanks for having me back. I was going to come in with an obnoxious Seinfeld-like hello, but I figured I'd keep it subtle for my return. Hello! Uh, well, you know, I don't necessarily keep things subtle. Uh, <laughs> and then appearing for the first time on the show is a logistician after Seaguard's very own heart. We've got Lesteroth NZ. Hello, Lesteroth. Kia ora, kia ora. How are you? Uh, great to have you on here. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, so uh, why don't uh, we start off with uh, Lesteroth? Why don't you just introduce. Uh, yourself to the audience um, in case well, if, in case they don't know you from the Parlay House or from your org. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Gelog, but I only really started playing the game since 2019. I backed the game in 2014, but my computer couldn't play it uh, mm-hmm. until I upgraded it. Um, and yes, I've been playing since 2019 found Gallog, they took me under their wing and we did some space trucking then um came across this lovely podcast and found the parley house and met this rebel so here i am excellent um well it's great to have you both on the show and in parley house um canuck uh, even though um, our regular listeners will know who you are. If this is somebody's first, I sound like Jared now. If this is somebody's first episode, uh, it'd be good for you to introduce yourself as well. So why don't you tell folks about who you are? Well, uh, channeling uh, Jared, I'm having a staring contest with you right now. So you'll have to tell That's me when weird. you blink. <laughs> but, uh, I just yeah, did. No. Uh, Canuck is my call sign. I am from Canada. And since we're talking about backing i've been a backer since october of 2012 i am one of the og uh been here for the long whole shebang and uh like i said in other episodes i've uh, played every single release at least a little bit ever since they started uh, we were running around a hangar making spaceship noises with our mouths (laughs) remember back when they called it the baby pu (laughs) yeah and we played Hangar Citizen before that. <laughs> uh, also, Canuck, you're one of the few people I know um, that I think is proud of the fact that with the exception of a ship you won for writing the lim- Limerick um, a couple years ago um, for uh, – uh, we just went through this holiday. Oh, uh, yeah, for remember. Stella Fortuna. Yeah, Stella Fortuna. I was just going to say St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Stella Fortuna uh, – you only have one ship, right? Outside of that, uh, well, I had I have one pledge ship, and then I had since in fifteen years, what is it, twelve years? I have I do have a hull A as well. 
So oh, okay. I, I have demonstrated we'll let, we'll more restraint know. than than many yeah. for the amount of time I've been here. But yeah, so I've got my pledge ship and I'm flying around tonight in a holle. That is very impressive. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. you've you've shown a lot of restraint. I I've vowed to not buy new ships and I still occasionally I don't I haven't bought anything expensive with my own money, but I've bought up I've bought CCUs to things. Um but usually it's just, you know, one time I melted all my paints because I was like, I don't use it after these paints anyway. Yeah. And that was enough money to CCU with plus like 20 bucks or something. So, Well, just a, an interesting point is the ship that I did win. It's um, Phoenix Emerald Edition, mm-hmm. uh, Constellation cool. Phoenix Emerald. And um, it has no CCU value. Um, it's yeah. locked. So I can't, I can't you know, CCU it to anything else and I can't trade it. I can't melt it. It's, it's, I have a constellation Phoenix Emerald, a P72 and an Ursa full stop. So, and and that'll come with the links too. It will, you know, it'll eventually swap out to the links. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, why don't we start off by talking about what we've been up to in the game this past week? Uh, Luster off since you're the newbie, why don't you kick us off? What have you been doing in the game? If anything, um, well, I've been doing a lot of bunkers with a few people in the ballet house, um, just really farming some suits and getting that uh, rep up as long as much as we could, um, mm-hmm. and then just yeah, just going exploring, finding some of these new uh, derelict locations and these outposts, and um, yeah, just really small little mucking around, just dabbling really, nothing really too serious. Excellent. Um, how's the how's the patch been treating you so far? It has been a roller coaster. Before <laughs> this hotfix, it was uh, go in, wait for the error message, come back out, verify, relaunch, go back in, and repeat three, four times, and then hold your breath, stand on one foot, and then wave to the taxi driver down the road yeah, and then get in. Yeah, all these little tricks just to get in. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's right. been, but lately it's been really smooth. Excellent. Yeah, and it seems like we we have promise for smoother seas ahead, but you never know uh, with, with everything that's going on. Um, Canuck, how about you? What have you been up to? Have you been playing the game at all? Yeah, uh, like many, uh, the initial launch was, you know, problematic to be uh charitable um and then i kind of got into that it was okay until somebody in parlay house said yeah i bedlogged and everything it's been working fine and then i bedlogged and then i played the uh the 3019 game for a while um but the workaround for the um going into arena commander uh logging mm-hmm. into a multiplayer with the last game you were in with the last ship self-destructing and then logging out before you respawn um, mm-hmm. seems to be working pretty well. Uh, so if I can't log in, I can log back out, try that little trick, and generally I can get back in after that. And then once in game, I've been like very much like Listrop's been doing, I've just been kind of puttering, trying a few new things. I don't want to overcommit to anything because there is a lot of instability. So mm-hmm. I've just been trying stuff. I've been for sciencing a lot of stuff. Excellent. Mr. Seaguard, how has your in-game life been? 
Yeah, you know, I, I started off okay. Uh, well, first of all, the PTU played well for weeks, right? I mean, it played perfectly for me. Um, then we started off, I had one or two sessions where I got in for a little while and it would kick me out. And then for the whole, basically, basically two days after we went live, I haven't been able to get in consistently until about a day ago. And I just got into mm -hmm. my second account today for the first time. So just an individual player, you know, one account with one ship. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I'm in, reasonably plays very well. So Excellent. How, yeah. Have the terminals been faster? Like, have all those things been sp speedier and less yes. shoe laden? Yes. Oh, great. I remember the first couple of nights when you were in, uh, you were struggling to just pull up ships. And yep. there was significant delay on the server I'm in. But right now, I just pulled up a ship and stored a ship. And it was about as fast as it was in 317. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And is yeah. that that's without the fix to the to the way ships are handled, right? Has that yes. come in yet? Point one is supposed to have a new system. Oh, it's going to be in point one. My understanding, I think, oh, okay. unless there's another hot fix coming. Yeah, I didn't know. Well, it does seem like it's not a server side fix because obviously there's a, a UI element to the screen uh, as well. For those who don't know what we're talking about. Um, part of the reason why there's so much server lag and issues for people calling ships and everything is because when you're logging into the game for the first time, um, and, and I guess in general, uh, it is trying to essentially allocate all of your ships to the location at once. So the people who had more ships were struggling, um, even more so than people with less ships. And so now what they're doing is they are not attributing ships to your um, home location anymore. Rather, you will select the first time um, to have the ship delivered to that location. And then once it's delivered to the location, that's where it will be bound until you land somewhere else. Um, that way you're not essentially attributing all of those entities at once. So that's that's a fix to help speed things up and make it smoother. Uh, and as Canuck said, supposedly in... Uh, 318.1. Uh, myself, I played only once in between last episode and this episode. Um, I was able to play a little bit more smoothly than my first go round. Um, and like I said, you know, it was still a wait for ships. I salvaged for the most part because I've been really wanting to just play that loop full through uh, and uh, was able to start doing it, but then ran into the issue of. Once you're salvaging long enough, it won't read um, the material anymore and create the boxes. So I know there's a workaround where if you switch ships or switch seats with somebody, uh, it'll start working again. Um, so maybe maybe I won't try to salvage um, by myself next time. Maybe maybe we could do a reclaimer or something. Um, but yeah, that's what I've done. And then besides that, I just went home this weekend. So <laughs> um, my needy family, but. Uh, yeah, super exciting. And speaking of salvage, for those who, who haven't, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but Citizen Kate, she's at it again. She showed off a wonderful example of uh, teamwork and sort of industrial gameplay by having some of her org members go out with vultures. And they were, um, 
she was floating between two vultures moving boxes, but she went with her caterpillar and was filling the caterpillar up with the uh, salvage material. Um, and, you know, she was just, she seemed super overjoyed and it was really apparent that the caterpillar is well suited for that type of operation because of all the doors opening um, on the sides there. So that was pretty cool. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I did Anyone else here see that? Yeah. I did. I, yeah. Yeah. It was First very reminiscent of an old of old mining ops you would do mm-hmm. in Eve Online, where you get your haulers in and you got your miners and you got your boosters and everybody's just cooperating and collaborating. Yeah, excellent. So um, let's dive into the material because we're recording a little late this week. We have two episodes of ISC to cover. Um, last week's episode was all about the the modular mission system that they're working on. Uh, which is essentially going to enable faster, more varied, and complex missions um, for designers to create and also to enable procedural mission generation. Uh, mission, mission, ugh, mission modules. <laughs> I promise I'm not high and I haven't had a lot to drink yet. <laughs> is that, is that um, yet? Yet, yeah. Drinking some whiskey. It's been rough. It's been, I am uh, very stressed out lately. But uh, outside of that, Mission modules uh, will allow full um, sections of missions to be repurposable. Um, It also helps create end-to-end mission loops, allows for a lot of different variations. Some of the mission themes that they discussed are, you know, like linear single box delivery, linear multiple multiple box delivery, uh, eliminate simple, eliminate boss, bounty simple, bounty complex. Uh, they're working on resource collection missions like uh, salvage and, and uh, mining, uh, as well as what they sort of dubbed almost like a start a side quest type of mission. Uh, they can be designated with a wide array of specifications, create segments with their own goals, start and end points um, that need to be completed. And um, one of the things that they mentioned that was interesting was adding timers to salvage missions where if you've been salvaging too long, maybe an NPC might come and dispute your claim and there might be a chicken ship, AKA uh, one that's kind of afraid of, of getting into an issue, but then it might escalate from there. They might bring another ship back with them to attack you. Uh, they're planning multiplayer nine tails missions. They mentioned how, um, you know, things like bounty missions could potentially then lead to salvage missions or resource gathering missions. Um, they're, they're thinking about what they're going to do for crafting missions when that, that system comes online as well. So it was a pretty in-depth episode. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Lusteroth, did you happen to check it out? I, I got to see it a little bit. And, um, nice. I think it's it's interesting, but I mean, the, the people creating these, they really can just pick and choose and make anything happen. I mean, they could use stories that have already been told in various books or, you know, just re rehash the, the storylines to make their own missions or create new ones from their own mind. Um, mm-hmm. So it's pretty much endless. I mean, whether it's a ship coming down in a timed area and you've got to do an assassination with a sniper rifle or mm-hmm. Aberdeen or something uh, to a whole lot of other stuff would be cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting. And, you know, the thing that always gets me excited is if they can make procedural truly feel less repetitive, then we're in for a treat when they can scale this. Um, Canuck, how about yourself? Yeah, I thought it was an, I thought it was a really 
interesting episode. Um, there are elements of it that I, I, I did like quite a bit. I, I liked his enthusiasm. I'm trying to think of his name. Elliot? Is it, was it Elliot? I forget. I think name. it's Elliot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was really enthusiastic, which was, it's always infectious when you have somebody that's kind of mm-hmm. really excited about it. I like certain aspects of it. Um, I do worry sometimes when you mm-hmm. kind of get into that modular mission thing where you end up with some odd mixes. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of equated to, you know, the books you used to get where you can still get them where you have all these different pages. No, not even kind of like the books where you have all these different faces and you've got different hair, different eyes, different nose, different mouth. Uh And you would change the pages and it's fun. It gives you a lot of variety of faces, but every now and then you get really silly, odd looking, just kind of not right faces. And so that's one of my, my, my worries with, um, and I did post in spectrum, uh, kind of a gag, uh, I don't know if you've ever, you, do you, if any of you follow Viva La Dirt League. They're like a, I don't. a YouTube. They make these things. It's mostly based around MMOs and foibles. And they have a really funny one about procedural messages, uh, missions where, you know, he's pulling a name out of a hat. He's pulling a task out of a, out of a bingo ball thing. And he's throwing a dart at a map to say that that's where your, that's where your mission's going to go. Um, and so it's always kind of the same thing. So that's, that's my concern with that. Is that we end up with these kind of like oddball missions, yeah? That, that see that quote unquote are different, but they really aren't. And yeah. if I can, I, I was not. Uh, I will be full disclosure. I was not impressed at all with the whole idea of you know you go to a mission, but you've got your vulture, but be ready to fight with your vulture because your vulture is going to get attacked if you're more than fifteen minutes there or. And then, you know, you're going to, what am I going to do if a nine tails, uh, cutlass black and, a, and, a, and, a, I don't know, an eclipse show up against my vulture. Yeah. Cause I'm just trying to, you know, find some quiet spot and space to mine kind of thing. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not overly enthused on the combat in everything approach, but I think yeah. they'll tone that down. Yeah. My guess is that'll be a risk that could happen, but no, won't necessarily always happen. That'd be my guess. Well, especially what I, I don't, and I can't remember fully um, what they said because I don't rewatch it right before I write the notes. But um, they didn't talk about the fact that the salvage missions are going to be parsed. There's going to be separate types, and we may not not we may not know what types they are on the front end of it, but that there's somewhere there won't be any competition, and there'll some there'll be somewhere there might be some competition. So. Yeah, and like it would be interesting. Just before Seaguard jumps in, uh, that's something that I think is exciting. Is that opportunity that a mission can turn into another mission can turn into another mission and kind of lead into this kind of like, you know, kind of down like a rabbit hole of missions that you can choose to do them or not. Yeah, and they can lead you to different places. So it just depends how much time the person wants to modulate into those missions. That is exciting. I like that very much. Yeah. And I think it can be, um, if they can create enough components, it can create some things that are really bespoken. Maybe when, if they create enough, perhaps they can make some that just aren't going to impact certain missions. If it's going to be a weird thing, um, you know, weird combo. Seaguard, how about yourself? Yeah, kind of, kind of what everyone also said. Um, yeah, I, I like the chance of combat, but then again, 
your options um, are to either fight or run, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that will be very largely dependent on your sensors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, these are all things I, you know, we've been expecting to hear for quite a long time. The implementation is going to be, it's not the mechanical i think i mean that's difficult don't get me wrong but the program programming of it i'm sure they will be able to do the balancing of it is the make or break thing right they're going to have to find that 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 allotment of time or that breakdown of hints and things that the environment is changing around you to make it interesting for you right as opposed to a death trap um it's one thing to go into an area where you know there's like been a battle and there's potential survivors straggling around in damaged ships that might want to fight and keep you away or um, you know the pirates that are working in an area where there's no police um, or no security element you know visible but if I'm out near a standard patrol of a navy you know hammerhead I would expect that I have relatively I uh, probably are low probability of being attacked by somebody. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. I liked it as well. I, I sort of spread my thoughts throughout, but I think the idea that if this is um, robust enough, it can be a really interesting addition. Um, and oh, will, especially yeah. when you tie into the dynamic um, uh, economy, uh, we could start to see some really thing interesting stuff happen. I'm I'm yep. just hoping they they stick a little bit with the lore side of it because Star Citizen yeah. Star Citizen is one of the few games that I would actually spend time and read the missions. Where other mm-hmm. games I've just gone meh, okay, go here, do this. But this is right. actually like there's so much lore behind it. I'll actually be interested in the actual storylines. Yeah, well, especially I think I think they'll have to make sure that the missions themselves have a lot to do with whoever's giving you the mission, whether it's an organization or an individual and certain ones might, you know, have more risk. Like, you know, say, uh, miles Eckhart, who, uh, all his missions, uh, unless I'm mistaken are legal missions, but he seems morally gray. And so he might, if he had a salvage mission, uh, and who knows if he would, but, you know, there's a chance that someone else might take that or like Clorvis Darnelli, who is the guy at, um, reclamation and disposal. He definitely seems sketchy and has some <laughs> sketchy missions. He so is like, a lovable chap. He's a lovable chap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but, my uh, Christmas card list. Yeah. There you go. But you're uh, right. But though, if you but... take one of his missions, you know, there's probably more risk you're going to encounter some competition. And and where Lusterov uh, is is correct is you need that lore that if you read it it informs you on the type of mission you might be getting mm-hmm. into. So if you're the guy who's yep. just skip 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 skip, I'm not interested in reading it, and then you show up. But if clearly in the mission, say you're doing something for Red Winter, and in the mission says we've got a couple of independent contractors have been uncooperative, they're not respecting guild uh, parameters, so you know, we're, we're, there's a bit of a bonus on this one, but be aware that you might run into some trouble. Yep. Um, 
then you're you can make an informed decision as to whether you want to take that mission or find somebody to come with you and then they can run after the chicken ship uh, yeah. and defend you whereas if it's like hey i've just got a there's a wreck near one of the outposts it's in a it's in a safe zone we just need somebody to go clean it up uh you won't run into issues yeah you can take your time I, can i, I add one more a, thing of course so um when they get the ships with the correct balance of interior space and cargo space and suit lockers and things like that, it's going to make these missions really, really, the opportunity missions, the fun ones, because you're going to have to look at what you have on board your ship. Um, you know, do you have the right outfit or gear to go to a cold weather planet and go find a piece of wreckage that's on the ground somewhere and bring it back? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a vehicle with you because you're not going to be able to drive in or fly into that area? Uh, do you have heavy armor with you or light armor? All those yep. factors, um, tractor beams, rope, all the stuff we've talked about, about what you should carry in a go bag. It's going to be a choice. Yeah. You know? Well, that's like a, a, you know, a combat mission. The whole idea of right choice you know, we've seen plenty of example missions that clearly aren't even ready for prime time or, or weren't really to begin with, um, where the person, you know, was the, the, I think the one that stands out to me is the one where they were, um, trying to steal that data from the microtech building and they needed to use a cutting tool. And that's right. The mission, if the mission doesn't tell you that, then either you have to know that when you're doing something more, you know, under the radar like that and being sneaky, then you have to bring one with you or, you know, you have to run the risk of needing to get one on the fly and, and who knows how they'll handle that, but I'm sure they'll, they'll clue us in. Good mission design though would, if you have that kind of mission, say where you would need that cutter, um, mm-hmm. they would have some, means of like you might have walked past a utility cabinet or something and if you're paying yeah. attention like you know what i i think i saw a utility almost like if you don't have the walkthrough to get out of prison you yeah. you had to pay attention to know that the code was on that wall and you had to look through the window yeah. and yeah. that's the kind of subtleties that they can add in there to yeah. not make somebody have to go all the way out somewhere and say oh yeah. crap i don't have a cutter attachment for my multi-tool yeah uh, oh well i, I guess agree. i'll go home I so. agree that that and who knows if we'll have like rapid crafting on, so, uh, you know, in a way that that's quick and on the fly, probably not while replicators. you're on the mission, probably not while you're on the mission, but you might get tabletop ones for, you know, multi-tool attachments or something. Never mind. Listen, here it is. You know, the, the new Argo backpack that you can, uh, that you will be able mm-hmm. to draw all the material into. You you yeah, have a replicator. Backpack. You have a, a replicator di- directly in it, so you have like a portable portable salvage replicator. There you go. There solved. Canuck solved it. Solved. Um, good stuff. Uh, super excited to see this stuff come into the verse someday. Um, they didn't really give us a good sense of when. It seems like a larger thing that where they're adding the recipes as they go. Um, and then today, since we're recording on a Thursday, we got to see uh, this week's ISC, which was great. It was all about the future of tractor beams. Uh, so they talked about adding in ship tractor beams. 
showed off a, a handful of examples of that. So, um, you know, they showed off the Starfarer using the tractor beam to grab saddlebags from a prospector. They showed, they talked about using tractor beams for salvage, um, moving boxes, and then also they, they featured heavily the discussion around handheld tractor beams, as well as the need for potentially having larger handheld dedicated devices instead of the multi-tool to carry heavier items. Um, they talked about the SRV and, and showed off like a little demo of what that could look like. It was more of a creative demo um, and talked about how a lot of tractor beams will sort of be like remote turrets. Um, and they showed off even sort of like trapping a player's player with a tractor beam and sort of beaming them up, um, which at first I thought they were joking about, but uh, looks like they weren't or maybe they're not. It could be used for like bounty hunting or some sort of advocacy work. Um, but I thought the most interesting component of the episode was the use of tractor beams, uh, in 319 to be able to remove ship components and weapons so that you can either put them on your own ship or they could be sold. Um, as well as, um, for example, um, being able to bring all the different mining heads with you so that you can swap them as you wish in order to tackle different challenges. Um, and you could do that on the fly, including both the mining heads as well as the, the components. Um, they also showed off swapping out the Starfarer fuel pods. There'll be some quality life improvements to the tractor beam. It seems like rotating will be a lot easier, uh, as well as um, they want to be able to make it so that you can use two tractor beams to potentially handle a heavier object and or fight over an object. Um, so those were some of the examples uh, that they showed off. Um, Lusteroff, did you get a chance to see today's episode? It did. I had I had mixed feelings. Um, the first good feeling I saw was like, I can't wait to pick up Seagard's Aurora and throw it across Louisville. Yes. Oh yeah, I, for, I forgot about <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I was, I was disappointed because they didn't show... Because doesn't the caterpillar supposed to have a tractor beam? Was that initial design? Yeah, yeah. It has yeah. two actually. It has one yeah. in the separate tractor room and one underneath the command station. Yeah, I was disappointed that it didn't show that. It is good mm -hmm. that they've brought this in and the, and the graphics and the and the design of the the two handed held ones were pretty cool. And then yeah. that um, the towing the tugboat uh, spaceship one that was mm -hmm. pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, mixed feelings. So it looks, it looks good. But another downside I was thinking, cause I think we had this conversation in the parlay house, but it's moving ammunition and pick like moving missiles and loading missiles on. It's, it is, you know, it's starting to get pretty, um, into some like immersed stuff, like as the simulation goes. But I think I, if I was, on a mole or something like that, I would fit out my ship before leaving the station. And if I needed to, I'd probably just fit it correctly back at station rather than doing it in the field. It'd be like a mm -hmm. last case, worst case scenario sort of situation. But yeah, it does all look very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get it for sure. Um, Canuck, how about you? Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, Boosteroff, I think you're my new best friend. 
because a lot of what you're kind of looking at is some of my concerns as well. Although I'm like, I understand it's kind of a gag. I do have some significant issues with the force. Um, no, okay. I can accept that Darth Vader can grab a spaceship and maybe hold it for a second, but <laughs> you know, we're into comic books territory where what kind of, I understand it must create some kind of field, but I'm not crazy about grabbing spaceships. Um, but everything maybe, else, maybe a I, golf cart. Yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe uh, a PTV, like a ground vehicle. That's that seems with a two-hander. I did like uh, the. I like the fact that they're they're simply embracing the fact that we're going to be using handhelds to do a lot of this stuff, and they're just they said, you know what, we're we're using handhelds. We've got modular handheld machines, so let's just iterate upon them, and. It, it becomes efficient, efficient, effective, and it's just consistent. So while I'm certain some people are going to be like, oh, look, more beams and more multi-tool stuff, it's like, you know what? That's just what they've decided to do. And it's the most reasonable thing yeah. for us to use. Uh, I did very much, uh, I, I do actually like the kind of beaming somebody up uh, as a potential prisoner. It won't come up that often, and I think people have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, but I I do very much like the idea that they're working actively on getting the salvage, uh, the salvage, the uh, tractor beams sorted out. And even though I also applaud them for saying, you know what, we're going to come out early with the um, removal of components, and and even though we do re- recognize that not all components are available on all ships because not all ships are at like you know a gold, yeah. platinum, or platinum plus or you know, in another five years, we might end up with Platinum Extreme. Emerald. <laughs> uh, yeah, Emerald. Um, I'm okay with that. So somebody's probably going to grumble. was like, how am I supposed to take the components off my Aurora? I don't have access to any of them. Well, you're just not going to do it with an Aurora. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's, it's a test. It's, it's to try things. Um, yeah. B- but I saw nothing negative in, in what, uh, aside from maybe speaking a little bit more in the, we're kind of thinking about doing, stuff yeah that's always the stuff that kind of (laughs) yeah we're thinking about having plans about making potential ideas about discussing we're Um, thinking about planning on doing this at some point. (laughs) yeah and i think i think they purposely are a little bit evasive on that i think sometimes they're more further along than they are yeah than they let on yeah Uh, but they have to be careful to temper everybody's expectations too yeah a hundred percent uh, Seaguard, how about you? Seaguard. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have the kind of the same impression. I was, I loved it, but there was a lot of things hidden in there that I really kind of loved a lot. They weren't really hidden. They were shown. Um, I, I do think it's time that we get tractor beams out there. There's lots of ships that will benefit from it. You know, the Taurus, the Cutlass Black, um, you know, they, they're all good cargo ships and they have the ability to move things. And right now those aren't, you know, demonstrated within the ship. Um, Caterpillar was another, you know, good example. Uh, but I was extremely excited to see the SRV. It appears mm-hmm. to be very far along. I was also very excited to see the uh, whole C. Uh, yeah, they showed abilities. that a lot. 
yeah, there was never an awful lot. Um, I was, I really liked the way the, um, the Valkyrie followed the SRV when it was being towed. It was kind of a, a slow and lazy, um, little sluggish behind the SRV and that it didn't just roll real snappy. It like yeah. you had to fly gently. Um, I definitely liked the idea of seeing the, not necessarily the Starfarer taking the equipment off of the Prospector, but the bags being taken off the Prospector. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is a big deal to me. Um, I think all those things are fantastic. And, and uh, the one thing that does throw me, I think it's what everyone else is kind of describing is mass, right? There's, I can't lift 50 pounds without strain, never mind 50 pounds at the end of a very long rope, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, or a very long rod. I mean, it would just, it would be incredibly hard on your body. So the me- the mechanic doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, yeah. You know, if there was a drone flying over a box that did the lifting, and you just did the guiding like a guide rope, that would make a little more physical sense. But it's a sci-fi game, so I'll get over it. Yeah, um, and I would like to see the larger containers, right? Ordering larger containers and moving them, I think, will be uh, great. Yeah, yeah, that'll be super exciting. Um, my takeaways: well, one, if you if you rewatch the episode or if you didn't catch this while you watched it the first time, you could see a clear distinction between the tractor beam stuff that's three nineteen oriented because it did say in uh, in development. 319 uh, versus concept um, rendering, which I didn't say it wasn't going to be in 319, but didn't say it was either. Um, I was also pleasantly surprised at the the component stuff being sort of in there. Um, and it was to cool. me, yeah, and, and to me, the reason why it's exciting is that's another area of salvage, in my opinion. Um, you know, so hopefully with ships that are um, not completely destroyed, hopefully those salvage wrecks will have components that you can take as well, because um, that'll make it really fun and interesting and engaging. Um, and hopefully if it ties into those missions, you know, if you have a big hull with actual components, now it's not just the hull that you're stripping, but also potentially high value components that you can um grab the other thing i forgot to mention when talking about it is they did mention they will have a way to prevent you from people uh, having people steal your components because it'll essentially be tied to locking and unlocking um and they, they did mention that they'll have they'll make sure that there's some le- legal ramifications for people who are trying to blow up their ship and steal their components or soft death their ship and steal components um and, and things like that uh so cool stuff very exciting I, I, uh, 319 shaping slowly we're getting a build out of what 319 is going to be but it's shaping up to be an interesting patch for sure um, uh, before we go on to the next uh sure you guys kept you were mentioning the srv and it's always something that i've been kind of struggling with is you know everybody's excited about like oh we're gonna get to tow something uh i don't know if you noticed but that's a long way to tow somebody from like you know, crew L three to uh, you know, Lorville. <laughs> Unless they add in quantum towing. I, I yeah, mean, I, I think you can quantum. 
That's what I think it is going to happen. I think in the Q and A they said that you can qu- they will fuck okay, with I, the, it'll I, quantum them. All right, because I've been paying attention to a lot of stuff, but it's been a long time, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm okay, fine. That's good because I'm just thinking, okay, towing at that speed, it's just. But not I mean, thing. that opens it up to like you could have a industrial class A tractor beam versus a mm. civilian class C tractor beam, and the worst one will like if you're in quantum could you know fail and you're the person that you're towing is dropped in the middle of nowhere and you're like oh crap well perhaps but the other thing is is like i don't remember seeing anything about quantum and if it's there because i've always kind of imagined it i can't think for the name of me of the name of the ship that is like the ship for shipping ships as daniel raymond would say from ray's guide um but the i can liberator? see is it the liberator um i could see short distance towing from like say the ground to wherever to mm. bring things to ships that will there afterwards be able to carry so you could tow a ship into the Carrick's uh, bay if the ship is small enough and then leave with the ship that way if you can't actively quantum while you're towing somebody but I do yeah. hope though to, just to finish I do hope that if they decide to go with like we're going to have you pulling out components and swapping components even if it's tier zero, they can't have the components blowing up ships when you're trying to put them in, like like cargo does sometimes. Um, that's something that they're going to have to really make sure doesn't happen. Because you can't be pulling a component to try to fix your ship and have your ship explode uh, because it yeah. bangs the wrong way. Yeah. Just to confirm, the uh, Q&A does say that it uh, can quantum and tow what it can't do is tow through a jump point um okay perfect what is unknown is we saw at least that there are certain vehicles that will need more than one uh srv to uh tow um and so like in those instances will they have to quantum at the same time i'm sure they'll iron that out as it comes along but um, excellent. Uh, um, so, uh, and then last week we had a Star Citizen Live. It was a follow-up to uh, poor Thorsten is on all these episodes. He was on today's episode. He's on Star Citizen Live. He was on the ISC two weeks ago. Um, but Star Citizen Live last week was a follow-up to the engineering um, ISC we had a couple weeks ago with Thorsten. And uh, he mentioned... Uh, you know, the idea behind engineering is very similar to what you might see with like, you know, cars, right? You can break them, you can fix them, you can tune them to be more high performance. And so they want the engineering role to kind of be able to do those types of things. Um, you know, initially we, and we discussed this last week, but um, you know, they mentioned how someone could wear, uh, you know, there's three different hats to an engineer uh, and they fully said, listen, one person could do all three of those things. It's not a skill tree type of thing. Um, so it's really about someone's knowledge and ability. Um, but there'll be some instances where it might make sense to have more than one engineer who specializes in each. Uh, so I'm guessing that's with much larger ships. Um, they mentioned uh, that uh, obviously soft death will play a role uh, with engineering because you know, in the future, engineers will be able to take the ship out of that um, state. It, obviously, it won't be soft death at that point. It will be disabled. Um, 
they mentioned the if if you had a issue with relays and your ship was not able to work, you could reroute the relays so that only the critical functions can work, and you could essentially limp home. Um, and uh, yeah, they talked about tuning, how it's probably more of a before you leave type of thing, um, whereas repairs will be on the fly. Uh, tuning and overclocking will impact wear. Uh, malfunctions, while they will occur, they won't, won't be as common as like every day. It might be every few weeks or a month. Um, and it really depends on how you take care of your ship. Um, boarding and breaching, they talked about you know using hacking to get into the systems. You could even sabotage ships that way. Um, and then they took a break. Second half, they brought in Anna, who happens to be an actress who um, you would happily know her as the uh, person behind the uh, hologram in New Babbage, um, as well as she'll be part of, she has a, a role or two, I think, in Squadron 42. I'm not going to summarize that conversation, but if you're interested in hearing more about her and her journey, she does actually stream now and play Star Citizen extensively as well. Um, so that was Star Citizen Live. Um, so, uh, what did everybody think? Uh, Lesteroth, what were your thoughts? Um, it was, it was good. It was interesting watching that one. Um, I'm not an engineer as say, but like, I'm not going to go on a road trip and then, you know, while the car's moving, tweak my systems and all that sort of stuff. I might change the radio station, but that's about it. I would be setting up my ship before I leave, yep. but if engineering does go the way that I hope, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing a whole row of engineering missions to get my rep up with an engineering guild and then getting one mission to go onto a UAE javelin because their engineer's been decapitated or something and they need a civilian to replace her something. That'd be pretty cool. But, um, you know, engineering for me is, I'll, I'll do it before I leave and, Hopefully it lasts and doesn't break down. That's why yeah. I've got other augmates that can specialize in those areas, I think. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Canuck, how about yourself? Yeah, well, I liked it. Uh, what was kind of nice is it answered a few of the questions that I had. Uh, I remember the week before I, I was wondering if it might've made it a little too granular and they, and we kind of correctly posited that, it's probably going to be more universal than that. So that was good news. Um, I, I tend to agree with Lusterhoff, but I do think that what's going to happen is if you're on some of the longer flights, um, there's going to be some opportunities, you know, to kind of tweak things a little bit as you go along. Cause they did also underline, it's not always overclocking. It might be underclocking to save yourself a little bit of fuel or um, that kind of stuff. Uh, because eventually because I, I laugh, but you know sometimes um, CIG theory crafts as much as we do sometimes. Um, you know, there's going to be uh, what do they say, like um, life support and all these different things. So you might have to do it a little on the fly. I I will again. I always have my one caveat, and my caveat in all this is I've never been a fan of artificial. Uh, malfunctions um, because it's 
I, I, if they just kind of tie it into wear and tear, and if after you know like 150 trillion kilometers, if you haven't kind of done any work on your engine, you might be having some issues. Fine, but if it's scripted, like you have a three percent chance of your gun failing every time you shoot it. Like if you realistically think about your car, you know how many times has your car ever broken down in the 30 years you've been driving when you're driving down the highway? You know, yeah, it's happened once to me in 30 years. Uh, so I, I, I'm always, I hope they don't overdo that as a, let's create yeah. these situations where everything goes bad all the time to give our engineers something to do. So, yeah. but everything else, again, uh, a little bit of theory crafting in there, like you said. Um, but I, I did like everything. It, it, it's good. I, I think it's, they seem to be going in the right direction on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed for sure. It's, uh, definitely interesting uh sorry I, I don't know why i'm still talking uh secret how about you <laughs> yeah i mean this um i think that you know we talked about it a while back i said you know the environmental factors of space flight you know um i want space flight just to be a little bit more dangerous um even you know, it may be a little artificial, but, you know, micrometeor strikes, uh, overusing your engines, you know, to, to damage them. Um, you know, all these factors will make the game interesting. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, navigational computer mistakes, which, you know, I don't want it to end the game for me that day, but I do want it to be something I have to overcome like you do in a flight sim. And flight sims do this very, very well you can basically adjust the slider to say how often something will fail. And lucky for them, they have years and years of data on specific models of aircraft. And they know what fails when and how many miles and how many hours. And then what fails after that, because of that failure. Um, yeah. they, they have it down and modeled perfectly. Uh, but I do hope we have some of those things. I do want to have like, you know, solar systems, you know, that give off an EMP or you like yep. a, a solar flare, micrometeors. Um, I want it to be dangerous when you come into a planet that's like, um, like I wouldn't expect uh, New Babbage, you know, in orbit around uh, uh, Microtech. I wouldn't expect it to be very dangerous there. Lots of responsible governance there around debris in orbit. But when you get around Lorville, Oh, I expect to see freaking space containers coming out and <laughs> be in the line of flight, right? I want to be able to. I want to be a pilot. I want to be just not just fly the air, you know, the ship down to the ground. I want to be able to actively avoid things. So. But I, I agree with you there on that one, Seaguard. But there's the distinction to be made. Like you, you're you're making a good distinction. You're making like environmental challenges Correct. versus yeah. just random stuff where your your ship breaks because they've Correct. scripted it to break yeah. which is different yeah, yeah and, and, I, they, and i do agree with that yeah i would, my, I would my, sorry well, i was just thinking when you guys were talking about uh, I, I was thinking if they have an option for me to kick it with my boot or punch it to get it going again that would be ideal <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, my sense, at least, and, and, and a couple things, like like you said, environmental factors, those should play a huge part. The other thing is, it's not just the wear and tear, right? And, and hopefully, 
hopefully it is like real life where if if you're filling your gas tank you know before it gets down to a quarter of a gallon then you're not going to have any issues with you know your gas tank getting clogged or the, or it being an issue but if you always if you always fill it at the bottom then there's going to be debris in in your in your gas tank that'll eventually cause issues for you starting your engine uh, similarly you know things like if you're not changing your oil regularly you're going to see some issues and i think they will kind of treat it like that i think the other thing would be you know obviously even after you make a repair to a ship that has taken damage components can sometimes start to wear out from you know overexerting or having to compensate and so those times you might see something um be more of an issue uh than not so i would imagine unless you're getting into combat or hostile environments an engineer won't be wearing the mechanic hat very often i think they'll be more focused on the distribution of you know um, resources on the ship and i agree with you because what we want to be careful of is you know different people want to do different things and if we use for example the people that just want to kind of haul industrial components are designed to last longer and have less wear and just perform. They don't perform peak. Whereas if you have your racing teams, like if you've got a tweaked out um, uh, Mustang Omega and you're all racing components and you're overclocking these things all the time, then, you know, it's almost like when you, when you play like F1 or, or a race game or something or Forza, um, on your console or on your computer, a lot of people like spending a lot of the time, you know, in the pit as it were, uh, getting the right components, tweaking their tires and all this kind of stuff. Um, Cause I mean, Sigurd, you, obviously it's well known for everybody who's been listening, you're military. Um, I remember at one point in Canadian uh, air force, they're, they're still flying sea Kings. And for like, I'm, I don't know exactly what the number is, but for every hour of flight, there's like, five or six hours of maintenance on on the helicopter and i don't think we want that correct we don't want to go all the way there we don't want to say well you've got a gladius and if you want to fly your gladius for an hour you're going to spend an hour and a half in the shop afterwards fixing stuff correct yeah and and i'm i'm i am very much like you i think that you know when you're paying top dollar for something in the universe you know you want the best fighter it should be really freaking expensive. <laughs> I mean, it should be astronomically expensive to get that fighter. On the other hand, something that's simple and robust and, you know, it runs every day and it's relatively, you know, um, solid. You like the... Like an Aurora. Well, the Aurora LN. But uh, what's the, uh, the Drake Cutlass uh, Buccaneer? The Buccaneer, if it can be you know, robust and simple and require a little bit more management by the, by the pilot. I think that's a fair trade-off to have a reasonably priced ship. Um, And I think that you can go in and, you know, differentiate different brands and different design philosophies by, I want to put high-end components in my Drake Cutlass. The ship's only worth X number of dollars, but I'm going to put in twice that much just in components so I can fly it alone. Engineering's taken mm-hmm. care of, you know, all the tractor beams are remotely operated. I've got blades, but that should cost a lot to upgrade it. And you should lose, you should lose some capability out of the core ship to, in a trade-off to get those things. 
Um, whereas the guy next to you might just go, I'm a hauler. I just want it to haul. I'm going to put the lowest grading components, get rid of any redundant systems. I want more space. <laughs> right. I just want it to go. <laughs> so I think all yeah. these things are going to play well uh, when they get into, into this. But the biggest one for me is the environment. I think the environment is, you know, it's a, it is much more savage in space than we realize. If any, if any place is going to overcook you or over, or over freeze you, it's in space, not on a planet. Right? Yeah. Your, your space suit, you, you walk around in a, you know, a, a flight suit and a helmet outside in space where if you get in sunlight, you'd be cooked in real life. Uh, you know, these are massive uh, amounts of radiation and heat. Um, so I think that there should be strains on your ship. Yeah, uh, I think that, come along with that an atmosphere as well, like micro sands and all that sort of, you know, that gets in any engine that cause damage. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think all those things are important, um, you know, but I think the environment is the most important. Yeah. And, and the other thing to note, folks, is we're in alpha, so on the plus side, testing and feedback will help iterate this if it right. is something that feels a little too gamey and not natural enough. Uh, feedback. In theory. Major torque balance. Please remove it. Yeah. Torque balance <laughs> is, is the most frustrating thing well, every the torque single balance, time. The torque balance is the poster child for how to poorly implement a malfunction. Mm-hmm. It, it is the worst mechanic in the game next to poor cockpit wear. It, it's just, it's, it's nonsensical. It doesn't make, there's no logic behind it. It happens randomly. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no way to fix it. It's terrible. And if that's yeah. how they're going to make their <laughs> malfunctions, I want to have nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, think that was just I, a very early implementation of something that could be done so just with the maths behind that i mean i redline my ship constantly like full throttle most of the time does that affect the token balance or is it just really random redline it you you have it at max speed or do are you max speed and boosting into the red a bit of both yeah majority of both yeah boosting into the red will do that okay because I never get torque. Im- I only get torque imbalances when um, my engines are like messed up from something. Right. Yeah. So, okay. It's pilot era. Got it. Well, no, it'll happen sometimes that you'll just log in with a brand new ship and you've got a torque imbalance. I've also noticed though that I've seen I, I've seen the thing go off where I'm not actually experiencing one. Right. What's what's interesting in in real life with heavy equipment, you know, like a tank, which is you know, but I have other experience too. Uh, when you let them sit and you don't use them, even though you're doing maintenance on them every day, they're oh. generally pretty reliable. But yeah. the minute you drive them out the gate, they start to break at an incredible rate. Um, yeah, and after about a week of maintenance and and we do maintenance constantly on these things or you they are you know i've seen guys arboraling tanks which is bad because it actually is flammable but uh, you know to make them look good and they're painted on the inside they're beautiful every time you come out of the field some guys go figure out how to get paint and they get it done um <laughs> but 
the reality is, is once you get them out there, you start beating them around and running them hard and going through the worst terrain, they run better and they, and their crews get better at keeping them that way. And they're more reliable. Um, but the initial week is just pure hell. I mean, it's, it's and it parts will even just break sitting in a motor pool. It's not uncommon yeah. to see yeah. here a torsion bar, which is a, you know, three inch thick bar that's torqued between two of the road wheels. All the road wheels have them. And you'll just hear them snap in the middle of the night. <laughs> just, just the weight sitting on them. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. So I, I also hope they do that. I'd like to know that if you have a good basic ship that you run all the time, it runs reliably. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be variations to certain, some of that stuff too, depending on the manufacturer and such. Um, Now this week, obviously we already know what the ISC is this week Um, for star citizen live. They still haven't announced the guest. So I hope, I hope we have one. I hope it's an interesting one, Um, but we shall see. Maybe they'll call Uh, me. There you go. It's, it's (laughs) Cedar. Um, uh, then this week we also had a roadmap roundup, pretty simple, um, and and won't be shocking based on the ISC that we had. Um, they added one item to the release view, and it is tractor beam attach and detach. This iteration of the tractor beam gameplay will add functionality to the tractor beam attachment of the multi tool, allowing it to detach and attach items from ship item ports. This functionality can either be used for component exchange, replacement, or restocking. Um, or to scavenge other ships. So that was added to the release view for 319. Um, now we're up to tips and tricks, and we actually got quite a few this week. I'm guessing because of the activity around 318. Uh, Mr. Tim said, with the current state of the game, if y'all can't call your ship, and I feel like I read this last week, but uh, either way, if y'all can't call your ship, um, check the pads for quote-unquote loners if you're lucky enough to be on a station that has open pads. Um, we yeah. on uh, a Citizen Cast don't necessarily advocate for thieving of ships, but we don't dissuade either. Play how you want. Um, <laughs> Mach 3 Generic said, uh, do you like to use ship weapons against infantry? Go into the game settings and set the weapon convergence to a more reasonable read, much lower distance. Um, Tuki2D said, with the MPC broken spawns, these are making for very uh, easy alpha UEC right now. LOL. I have no idea what you're talking about, Tuki, because I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Does anyone else know? Salvaging. Oh, MPC broken spawns. Uh, where, oh, it's around salvaging, like at the um, when they're landing the cuddies. Yeah, I, I think like I went around or I went around Port Olisar the other day, and there had to be fifty ships floating. I mean, it was <laughs> it was insane. Huh. Uh, Captain, so I think that's what he's talking about. They're just they're uh, floating out there. Tuki, if yeah. you were talking about anything else, let us know. Um, Captain Kieran said, Vulture top tip. I've seen the question posed, so I had to play around. Um, I hear you ask, how do I control if I open my side door and fall out into space 
or if the seat turns all the way around and leave the way I want to get out into the ship. Uh, I did some playing around, and it seems to me that the fast press on Y will send you out the side door, whereas if you hold Y, you will exit behind you and into the ship. You're welcome. Uh, not one. Too. Yeah. Yeah, and that's he handy. said, not one. Oh, I know. I, and I couldn't tell either. Uh, there's also a button on the side, but it doesn't always give both options. Um, he said, you're welcome. Uh, not one, but two tips, you lucky sausages. Another fault that has me noticed, uh, that I've noticed in the vulture. Make sure you're checking the progress bar on the left. That shows how much of a uh, box is being filled. It will read X number slash one if the box is filling. Between cycles, when a new box is being made, you'll notice that it changes to zero slash zero. While the second number is zero, do yourself a favor and stop hole stripping. You're not going to fill anything up. Number three, oh, go on then, he said. In the same vein, keep your eye on that bar. Occasionally, at least in the last few times I've played, you randomly stop actually sucking up material. I assume due to some server desync or, de- or degradation. Degradation. You need to hop out of your seat and then get back in, and all should be dandy. Um, I was not noticing that that fix, Captain Karen, but um, who knows? Maybe now that they're getting faster, it's working. Get out there and enjoy the vulture. It's a great loop. Thank you, Captain Karen. It is a great loop. Oh, and then he said, <laughs> he followed up, get the extinguisher because I'm on fire. I can't remember hey. if this was discussed in the podcast or if I, it was a conversation I had. So I'll throw it in here and then Geek can choose to read it or not. <coughs> Sorry. He said, if you're out there playing salvage as intended with a group of mates and you've got a hauler out there collecting all the boxes, I found it works better with the current state of the game if you have a vulture and that hauler belonging to the same person. When it comes to selling, the owner of the hauler best go sell the boxes. I haven't tried it with multiple vultures yet, but if you load up a vulture and throw in boxes in someone else's hauler, they seem to have issues selling. Yes, you have to sell to it, no questions asked, um, by the way. If one person claims both and then takes the haul while the other continues scraping, you have much more success. Obviously, there's an element of the state of servers, etc., which is getting better on a daily basis right now, but this has definitely helped me. And then he said, oh, you lucky sausages, eight in for another one. This one's simple but worth sharing in case you don't know. When salvaging in salvage mode by pressing M with mining, If you then press G for gimbal mode, your movements will only move the salvage arms and not the entire ship. Nice. So, um, Captain Kieran, thank you for all of the salvage. Yes. Um, Lusteroff, any tips or tricks for the group? How can I I follow that? Um, uh, I do have a bit later on referring to some of his tips so um but what i found when it was we were having issues with this patch um and when you would store your ship it would get destroyed sometimes i found that if you're on everest you would an easy way to to resolve that and keep your ship and do everything would be to park by the outside pads and then just float in and then go do your 
stuff and then come back out um and then you lose your ship especially if you're trading or anything like that excellent yeah um, i did have another okay. one but i'll oh. i'll remember it later okay um Canuck, how about yourself? Any tips and or tricks? Uh, yeah, I've got a few. Uh, one is, as people, if you've been able to get in and you've been trying some of the missions where you're sent to a derelict site, um, the tip or trick is wait till it's daylight. It might take you like five minutes or something, uh, but it makes the mission a lot easier because one of the challenges with the AI is it sees you far before you see it and it has been shooting through some some geometry so it makes it a little trickier uh, related to that I would say if you're going to a derelict outpost don't get out of your ship just shoot everybody from your ship float around yeah. and blast everybody land then the third tip I would give on this is open the door and listen because if you're close to any NPCs, you will hear them talk. So if you've missed anybody and somebody was kind of hiding, and if you've got good headphones, it's the, the, the sound is generally directional. So before you even get out of your ship, you have a good idea of where they may be. So you're less surprised. And if you're going to land at a derelict, give yourself some immediate cover when you land. Um, so that's a, a, a just some good general strategies and tips for doing derelict sites yeah uh, mm -hmm. don't just land way out there and come charging in because you'll get shot yeah, um, yeah on that Hamar and i we were which is another person from pilot house we came across one of the caterpillar ones and there must have been three missions going on all at once and there were 20 npcs just standing around and so we just hovered over and then used our turrets and got caught our arms. So that was fun. And then scooped all the bodies up and left. All right. Wunderbar. Uh, Seeger, tips, tricks? No, uh, no real tips because I didn't get to play much this week. Uh, you know, but now that I'm in, it's, uh, it's doing good. Uh, I would uh, potentially one. Here's potentially one I'll give you. Uh, so today I went in and flew my Aurora CL into a location and near one of the racetracks. Uh, I bought some, uh, I think it was Lair Knight. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of ships floating around. Um, one of them was relatively near the pad, uh, but he was about 1,200 meters away. And I was a little, it was a buccaneer. So I was a little bit worried about pirates. Um, so. The tip is that if you think you might be in range of someone sniping you and you can land your ship, um, use your ship as cover. Park closer to the facility um, where you're going to pick up your cargo and turn it sideways and use it as a shield when you get in and out. It's also hard for them to see you getting in. So if you can power up while you're still sitting on the ground, let your shields and everything build the full power, put all the shields to the rear and even set your map and everything else to where you want to go and then accelerate right from the ground. Just, uh, so even in Aurora, you can get going pretty fast. I was, you know, really at, um, 
I was able to quantum jump probably within 20 seconds of leaving the ground. So uh, with anything bigger, you know, you have bigger engines, I think you'll be able to at least accomplish that. But just run. Put your shields to the rear and run. And uh, it will work in many cases. Excellent. Um, I myself have no tips nor tricks uh, for this week. And uh, I, that, of, oh, go ahead. Uh, there's just to say, Seaguard uh, uh, mentioning putting your shields to the rear. If you have a constellation that has a snub fighter and you can access your snub fighter, uh, if you plan on flying around, get into your snub fighter. Don't launch it. Turn it on. Turn on the shields. Get out and then fly. And the the, uh, the shields, from what I've been able to tell from a little bit of testing, uh, they actually overlap. So you actually end oh, up with nice. double, shields, double shields in the back. Nice. Uh, a good idea. I don't know if it works right now because apparently the, uh, the snubs are not accessible, although mine was. So it might be one of those kind of intermittent issues. Um, but yeah. And then my final tip is specific to 318 at the launch right now. Food, eating food doesn't seem to always work. But what seems to work is drinking the drinks that give you some nutritional value and some liquid value. So yeah. always have some of the um, juice the drinks, smoothies. the smoothies, or the Gatorade. We'll call it Gatorade. Hey, you guys can sponsor us. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> so Or Power. Well, Powerade will do the same thing. Uh, have that with you as an emergency because if you're getting low on your food and you start eating some beef chunks and they're not feeding you, the drinks seem to at least consistently be giving you that. Excellent. Now, if only they had a beef chunk smoothie. Mm, beef chunk smoothie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with that, it's time for science. Um, this week, our listeners didn't seem to have anything for science, and it's probably because the science this week has been testing to see if the game will work for them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Lusteroth, anything for science? Well, yeah. Um, so, to go on the salvage uh, tip from the submitter, um, we were doing a salvage small operation, and we were just like, okay, can I sell someone else's salvage? Um, so we grabbed one box, we took it to reclamation and disposal on Hurston. Um, I landed and it registered everything there, but it wouldn't, it kept on saying that, um, somebody was in my ship, so I couldn't sell it. I was really sketched out. And so I like checked like three times that no one was actually there. But when I went to Lawville afterwards, um, I wasn't getting a landing pad when I was requesting. Like it wasn't even working. So I had the idea. I opened up the back. I threw the boxes out and then called and got a landing pad. And so then I tractor beamed the box back in quickly, jumped into the seat and landed at Lawville. I then couldn't sell the items because it was someone else's um, at Lawville. But if you're stuck 
trying to get a landing pad because you've got someone else's stuff in there. That's why. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Canuck, anything for science? Oh, boy. You ready? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, so one of the four sciences I've been doing, because I on, on Spectrum there was a lot of noise uh, and a lot of discussions about PvP and you know, there's always the, because, you know, 318 is supposed to be the new piracy one and people are going to get jumped all the time and all that kind of stuff. So what I did was I, while I was waiting 317 to 318, because as I've already said before, I don't PTU, I, I test in the PU. Um, I've been playing other games that have open PVP and I've been kind of trying a little bit of murder hoboing. I've been trying, paying attention to the chat and I've just come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter what Star Citizen tries to do. They're not going to be able to please everybody. So, you know, everybody who's listening, we just have to figure out a way to live together. <laughs> because even in a game like Conan Exiles, where it is a full PvP game and that's what you're expected, there are people that just think there should be certain rules and certain ways to do it. And others are just like, you know what, you're out here, I'm going to kill you. And that's how I play the game kind of thing. So. We just so I for science that in the sense that just to kind of prepare me to know that you know that's what it's going to be for Star Citizen. So we'll have to have do our best with the systems that are going to be in place and just kind of move on from there. Mm -hmm. Specific specific to Star Citizen, though, um, I've been testing a lot of PES. I've been uh, as I said in one of my tips and tricks. If you go with our display info two or three, you can actually see what shard you're in. And I've been placing stuff in shards, uh, abandoning a ship or abandoning a vehicle and seeing if it places me back in the same shard. And last week, like last week and early on this week, uh, I found that Star Citizen was doing a poor job of putting me back into the same shard. So I was never being able to retrieve this. But in the last three sessions in a row, I've been placed back in the same shard. And I've gone back to the exact same spot, which is just outside of Wall of 45, um, where there's a derelict outpost there about 11 kilometers out. And I've placed things there that nobody's going to pick up because it's just junk. But that stuff is still there. The wrecks that are, were there three nights ago, four nights ago, are still there. The bodies are still there. So the PES is absolutely working. Um, it kind of underlines the necessity, I think, for maybe getting a better cleanup system for wrecks that have been hand salvaged because you can hand salvage in a, in a with your with your hand uh, tool in a, in an armistice zone um, so remember that folks keep your shields up because if you're in an armistice you can still get hand salvaged um, so there are ships sitting around that have been hand salvaged they're, they're, they're junk they're scrap but you can't blow them up because they're in an armistice zone and you can't tow them out or anything because we don't have an SRV. So I think CIG needs to figure out a way to kind of clean those up. Um, and then the other one I've been testing, I like I said, I have a Hull A and I've been trying to test with snapping things to the uh, the exterior cargo grid. And as for the most part, provided that the panels expand, because the panels don't always expand. Sometimes they stay, it, 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 ex it extends, but the, the panels don't open. So you kind of have mm -hmm. to toggle that on and off. Um, and it, it works well. You, you kind of have to rotate it. 
to get it on in the right angle, but it does snap to just fine. So the snapping to the grid seems to be working well without blowing up ships now, and the PES seems to be working well enough. Uh, which, just as we go back to another, th speaking of the Hull A, for those of you who have not used one, um, if you go to an outpost to buy, remember to extend your ship when you land because you can't load it. You can't buy articles anymore. Before it used to auto-extend it for you, now you actually mm -hmm. have to extend the ship before you can buy anything and load anything onto it. Oh, good. So there's, good, there's uh, your four science. Good pointers there. Um, Seaguard, any for science hotness from you today? Um, I'd say uh, the whole A definitely is a good ship. Um, it's definitely it's a good ship for pulling behind another person's vulture and having them just stick boxes to the side panel. It's very fast and easy as opposed to backing up and lowering your ramp and getting side by side with each other. Right. Um, and then you just rotate to the other side. So that would be, you know, if you're going to do that type of gameplay, hull A is definitely the ship to go with. Um, this, the other thing is, if you're out there and you got nothing else, uh, you know, I've run, uh, certainly have run the Aurora LN with three boxes, the ES with three boxes, and the CL with six boxes. And, you know, it's a nice, simple ship to go fly on a simple mission. I did one probably in 15 minutes, flew out to Clio, flew out of the atmosphere, flew to Clio, picked up boxes, escaped from potential danger, and came back and landed and then got on the podcast. Uh, if you got one, you, you know, it's it's nice and simple. Uh, I looted a couple boxes and took off and left. So, and it also looks great with the six boxes underneath. It really makes the ship a little more balanced. Uh, so, Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Cosmetically, the Auroras with the boxes underneath just looks nicer. It yeah. looks more complete. Mm. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Um I didn't do anything for science. <laughs> As um, per usual. The, um, you know, Seaguard was talking about the, the Hall A, and like I said, I've been flying mine around all week. And the quality of life with the Hall A, like the, the, uh, the amenities in the ship are great. But as far as a ship mm -hmm. goes, this thing needs a little bit of tweaking for like uh, the thrusters and everything. Because if you have to compare it, for example, to like a freelancer, um, uh, there are advantages, like like Seaguard says, for if you want to work as a, an op, it's really quick to load those boxes if you're running a vulture uh, versus like a smaller, sh like a ship with a, an enclosed cargo bay. But if you're running mm -hmm. day-to-days and you want to do some missions and you want to haul some stuff or put some vehicles and even, even something as simple as collecting bodies from a site if you want to loot bodies, you can't do that with a hull A. Yeah. You, you, the door doesn't stay open. You got to kind of try to tractor fire them in there while the door is open, because there's no usable interior. Uh, whereas it, with a ship with a cargo bay, you can just put the ship, the, the your bodies in your cargo bay before you jettison them out into space. Okay. So I'm I'm debating whether or not I I've got a couple of credits in in the credit for. So I'm I'm playing with the Halle, but I think I might be moving to back to a freelancer. Right. Good to hear. You know, Good to hear. Max yeah. all the way. Are you are you a fan of the freelancer? <laughs> I'm the freelancer Max. That's that was my that's yeah. my ship that I will always fly majority of the time. 
Here's a here's a question about the freelancers. I've kind of been thinking about this. You know, it does have at least one more rework to be to go through to get it up to gold standard. Uh, and it has the four seats up front, and it has four bunks, and you know it's pretty cramped in there. Um, how do you feel about making it a two-person ship, but increasing either the cargo space inside and cleaning up the crew area a little bit to make it a little more useful? So I've, I've got the max, and I would... I was thinking about this the other day because I don't recall there being a weapons rack. Correct. Uh, there's, there's there's no weapons rack. There's a couple of things the max, like that. I don't think. So yeah. I would remove the um, the bar or the, the kitchen or the, the drinks machine there, which is opposite the toilet, right? and put a weapons rack there. But I would keep the, the cubic the same because I guess with the engineering one of those seats would be the engineering because if it is a medium hauler, then I guess as you're doing a long haul one, um, the engineer could just be doing stuff. Yeah. It's, it is a, it's an interesting ship. You know, it's kind of like a Winnebago and I love it. Uh, I like the freelancer standard versus the freelancer max, but yeah, I could, I would like to see, I guess a little bit more of the, um, what to call it the the, the see, feature that like the um, the raft is fantastic door. is fantastic for two people right they I'd just really use up. the space yeah. yeah I agree I agree that I think I wouldn't go two I, I what I would do is I think I would reconfigure the cockpit for three that's always something I kind of saw is that, because the thing is is once you know don't forget we're going to be working with physicalized. A 66 right. SEUs worth of boxes is a lot of boxes to move by yourself. Good. So you want yeah. a couple of people with you. And I would also scrap the the remote tour. I would make it a remote tour on the back to one of so a, a freelancer with a pilot and then somebody working missiles and comms and potentially right. tweaking and then somebody else running the turret. And so I would reconfigure that cockpit. I would then put, you know, like you said, there is no gun rack. So I would put a gun rack right yep. in the cockpit change one of the bunks to like some kind of a storage or something suit lockers you don't have any suit lockers sure right now. The, mm. one of the problems is if you really look at the freelancer uh just the base you've got that 16 seu in that center area but if you look at the size of the boxes and the size of the doors it makes no sense <laughs> yeah. um, you can't get yeah. that size right. of boxes right. in there so uh i would probably repurpose that maybe because the max doesn't have that center part, that's why they get the extra. There's the extra width, and no, no, the it extra does. Length. It oh, it doesn't have that. Sorry, it's just extra the wide. Max is wider. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, it's the Dura and the Mist. The Mist has got the missiles, and the Dura is going to have the refinery and all that. So it would be interesting to kind of rejig it a little bit, maybe make the Freelancer a titch wider to make it three SEU wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, if once you eliminate that rear turret as a man turret, then you can have it as a little deeper and fill it up a little more. Uh, and that would also create a little bit more flexibility for like getting some of the, there are vehicles that fit in a freelancer or in a door or in a miss, like the, the rock just fits and it's super finicky. But if you made it like, you know, you take it into paint, you widen it by like six inches. And then that's, where, that's where the max comes right? in. That's yes. where the max is beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. 
it's funny you mentioned a ramp for the uh, crew. There used to be a ramp that went up this. You went took a set of stairs up the landing gear into the floor of the uh, crew area. Uh, That's how you used to get in. Yeah. Yeah. No, at the in the current layout, I would add a uh, a ramp button because I don't know how many times I've accidentally clicked the ramp door and then been chucked into the turret. Yes. Yeah. But if we eliminate that turret, then we don't have to worry yeah. about it. Anymore. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it just a, it's an interesting ship, and I think it's a good one. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun game, a fun ship in game. Um, and I think there's lots of play area in that crew area that could be in part of the cockpit. So that was good. That was good. Excellent. <laughs> um, I don't have much to add to that because uh, – I hate the freelancer. Sorry, no offense. Oh, I love it. <laughs> there's lots of room in a carrick, so uh, yeah, I don't know what you guys are complaining room about. In a wonderful carrick. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now that brings us to um, Seaguard's question of the week. Alrighty. Um, so last week, Seaguard asked, would you prefer ships released with variations? <clears throat> so like Cuddy Black, Red, Blue, Steel. Or would you like to see multiple ships from different manufacturers that compete head-to-head, each being artistically representative of the different manufacturers, but otherwise very similar in layout and performance as well as equipment? Uh, Honored Heretic said, multiple ships. Um, so I'm guessing he means multiple ships from different manufacturers. Um, old Murph, uh, who I believe this is his first submission said a working login screen would be great at the moment. (laughs) Good job. Um, (laughs) and then honored heretic followed up with, I'm not always a fan of variants. And then he said this in response to old Murph's, uh, post uh tuki 2d said variants can be kit bashed together and are great for low resource additions but i love manufacturer variety cm fries said i like the ship variants but it would be nice to have different brands make similar ships like car dealers do today like the toyota has a forerunner tacoma and tundra while ford has f50 the f50s um, and they and they they look so much alike. I mean, yeah. all these the cargo van, for example, they look identical. Yeah, <laughs> so it's true. Yeah, um, Mr. Tim said, "Always more ships, both for the win." <laughs> ah, there you go. Even though this was the first choice, forced choice. That's <laughs> right. Um, said, "More ships via more manufacturers." I'm looking at you, Argo. Should have an industrial ship in every class twice over um sorry about that um undead parrot said to be honest i'd like to see all ships from different manufacturers variations and modularity in some ships mavros said i'd say both as well i like the variety of designs but sometimes i like a lot one particular design ship but not its function for example the medical variants i love the cutlass red way more than the cutlass black 
and same with the medical Pisces over the regular one. I know it's naive to expect it, uh, but I'd like to see a science cutter, same as there's a science reliant. Agreed. That would be, that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that. The cutter would be a cool little science ship, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I'm saying, yeah, he doesn't have yeah, one. Exactly. Reliant, or what is it? The uh, Reliant has the, the, the Sen. The Sen. Yeah. Yep. Um, Captain Karen said, I like the concepts of manufacturers making variants of their ships just like the many cutties and the now growing Pisces. I love that concept, making the same ships with variants. I don't, however, want to see the same types with different manufacturers. I just like to see different manufacturers do more. We see it a bit with the Hercules, the Cutlass, Pisces, and I'm sure there are other manufacturers, but I'd like to see more. Um... Psychosis said, I see nothing wrong with variants. Good for the game, and surely they're easier to implement than an entirely new ship. Uh, Canuck, you posted a picture that said, why not both? Um, Genly Annoyed said, I love the idea of more interesting and diverse ships, so more, more, more. I also understand that to get assets to the level expected of Star Citizen is a time-consuming process, so I also understand variants that can help speed up development uh, this So this is what it feels like to be on the fence. Uh, Gothic also posted a picture that said both is good. Uh, or, or a gif rather. Both? Both. Yeah. Both. <laughs> both. Um, a variant, uh, Mach 3 generic said, a variant here and there doesn't hurt, but give us competitor models naturally with a few tweaks so they're not carbon copies with a different look. Yeah. Yeah, there has to be some tweaks that would make it an origin ship versus, uh, but the interiors would be relatively similar in some things. Yeah, it, it sounds like something almost like a bid, something that you bid out for, essentially. Right. Um, yeah. And you, like are you Mercedes thinking- van, a Mercedes van has a very similar layout to a Ford van. Uh, yeah. The components are a little different, but the quality outside paint is probably a hell of a lot different, and the styling's probably a lot different. Right. But minimal variations, really, ultimately. Yeah, Correct. like if you look at current, say, vehicles, you look at the Corolla versus its the uh, the Civic versus the Cruze versus they're all pretty much the same car. Uh, right. Some cosmetic differences, but the engines are all about the same. They're all four doors, right. or you can get all hatchbacks. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's something. Was it Mach 3 at the bottom? I don't have the list open. Who kind of said yeah. he doesn't want carbon copies. And I'd agree. But I also wouldn't want, like, you know, if somebody's kind of arguing that the free, we were talking about the freelancer earlier, the freelancer's competitor is the Cutlass Black. Correct. Is it, though? It, Cargo is size, it, it's half the size. It's like two-thirds. and yeah, So two-thirds there, there right. isn't really no direct competitor. So I do kind of like I, I like variants. That's why I said I like both. I like variants because you know you get like a you love say you, I like the three hundred I. I think it's a great looking ship. I like the origin design on that. I don't like the one hundreds. So, but the three hundred okay. I like the three twenty five. You want a little bit more car, so you get a little bit of choice. So you can be in a design of a vehicle that you like, and mm-hmm. do something that you know so it's tailored to that design. But at the same time, I kind of like the idea. Like it would be interesting to say have another. Uh, ship like so like the misc hull a is kind of a direct competitor from hauling perspective to the freelancer um mm-hmm. but say drake comes out with you know the drake hauler they call it because they're creative 
and it's got like <laughs> 70 SCU, but it doesn't have four size threes on it. And it's really minor differences. So you're not making some kind of sacrifice or making some kind of really significant choice. You're just saying, I like the way this ship looks. That's the one I want to fly. Okay. And I have essentially the same use. Exactly. And I like that a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, the, the one I was originally kind of sparked the thought was the Nomad. And I was trying to figure out what other purpose the Mantis hull could be used for. And I thought, wow, that would be a really good RSI version of a Nomad. Right. Take out the, uh, you could have put a pickup truck back on it, put some cargo in the back, some ability to carry some ships around it, but you've got a bed, you've got some other things inside. It'd be fantastic. It's a utility vehicle. Uh, mm. So that was the original one I was thinking about. What are they going to do with the Mantis beyond just interdictor? Because it's a cool ship. I still think the internals of that ship are too stark. I feel like they need to add a little zhuzh. <clears throat> Looks so basic inside. Yeah. yeah. You can stick your fish tank in there eventually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Put your wooden roosters in there. Yeah. yeah. Fill, yeah. It up with, fill it up with your <laughs> wooden gawks. <laughs> I didn't say it. Seeger said it. I have nine of them right now. It's, it's terrible. Even worse in the morning. Morning wood. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll stop. La 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 la. <laughs> Don't know if that's breaking any violation. Probably are. not, because it's innuendo. That's great. No, that's the. But no, I I I I think both. It, it is both to me without without a question. Um, It makes them really interesting. And I know CAG, sometimes people complain. Now, the thing is, is the key is if you're going to make a variant, make a good variant. Uh, Let's be honest. The Cutlass Steel is a terrible spaceship currently. Yeah. And the the, uh, Antares is not a particularly fun spaceship to use uh, as, as, you know, being a backseater. The Rock DS wasn't particularly... Uh, well received either because those are all ships that weren't their variants but well the ds is a little bit of a different ship but you know but you know then you look at the other lines like the avenger line has three variants and they're all they all have a good purpose they all serve something Mm -hmm. you look at the 300s and the 100 series you look at the the other cutlasses um, they're all successful yeah so running variants is okay yeah, I mean, a great variant is is really the, everything on the um, Atlas chassis. A uh, chassis, like Absolutely. those yes. all have unique purposes. Um, sure, they might not be as useful in the game now, but it was something that they could get out relatively quickly that aesthetically people like. The Pisces, the medical Pisces, is a fantastic variant, and it looks oh, amazing. Yeah. And it's close enough to the Pisces that it seemed like it was easy, and it, and it reused enough of what they have in the medical bay of the Carrick for it to seem like they didn't have to put in as much effort as if you were reconcepting a brand new ship. Yeah. Well, look at the constellations. <clears throat> I mean, we yeah. all know that there's going to be a pass on those things eventually, yeah. but they're all successful variants essentially. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot. I, you know, it's funny because I think you know. I'm, I definitely am a collector, right? I mean, that's why I have so many friggin' ships. But I'm also kind of a brand-conscious person. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm not a guy who drives a Ford or a, a, a Chevy, but I've definitely driven Dodge for a lot of my life. And, you know, there's just certain brands that, you know, some people are brand people. Some people are, um, you know, collectors of um, things that are very different. They never want this, you know, same ship more than once. Uh, and I just think it makes it interesting in that way. Yeah. One hundred percent. Speaking um, of variants, though, um, this might kind of seem because um, Luceroth is is involved with Galactic. For those who don't know what Galog is, Galog is the Galactic Logistics website. It's a data bank, trading, yeah. mining. It's a great website. Um, and if you actually have a chance, I don't know. I'd be interested in, in if you had if you have two minutes uh, to tell people how you guys pull the information, if you know, but do you guys have statistics at all? Do, like on, on calls from your database for specific, like, do you know that people are flying more, uh, a, a C2s or more caterpillars by the, like, do you guys have statistics on what ships get called up the most often for, searches or is it just it's not you guys don't track it that way no so i mean we i guess the the system itself would probably track the um the the routes um but they're looking at a way because if this is information i mean any pirate could go onto their website and go okay what's the most valuable route and then i'm just going to sit on that route and just grab traders or um that sort of stuff but in terms of the ship, uh, which ship is being used, it would really come down to the people who are tracking their um, or saving their routes on their membership um, and then doing it that way. But maybe it's there, but I, I wouldn't know that stuff on the data side of the site. Well, then that's where, like, I don't know, like, eventually I'd be interested. It might be interesting to find out how you guys get the information and that that populates the the site so um initially like we pay people to head around to every little station and data hunt really so just a little massive just like um uh what's those the bunch of orphans that are pickpocketers pretty much like that just go far and steal all the data and bring it back and we chuck it in initially but then there's some other people that uh, actually take it off the um, the files and stuff. But I'm sure I can tee up a uh, Revere is the, the the man behind all that. And he leads the org. He's a good guy. He's very cool. Excellent. Wunderbar. Uh, um, now it's time for the Q&A. So um, <clears throat> uh, for two questions this week. Gothic first said, uh, this one's directed at Seaguard. Seaguard, your love for the Reclaimer is well documented. When can we expect to embark upon the first fully crewed salvage voyage in that magnificent beast? Actually, probably coming in the next week or so. And uh, There's others that'll have them too, but I definitely want to take it out soon now that I have both accounts running. Uh, just uh, take out my main account, and we'll go do that. Excellent. So, figure an event. I will join if soon. I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and uh, if you didn't see it in the uh, latest um, uh, video from Jared, there is a reclaimer with tractor beams working. And in the video for the vulture, um, there is a vi there is a portion of it where the reclaimer's um, jaw smash smashes out and mm -hmm. breaks up some scrap to get pulled in and get crunched. So it's very cool. It's like a trip hammer going off. It's it's very neat. So, and in the most recent ISC, there's the ISC, there's still kind yeah. of the cruncher going there. Again, yeah. it, it might be a little theory crafting, but it kind of still demonstrates that that's where they would like to probably end up with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, I can see them. It, you're cutting off big chunks and then pulling it into um, cut. Like you probably have to, I would imagine, components first, then you scrape the hole. And certainly if you have a team of people, you could do this at the same time. Scrape the hole. Then you have to figure out where important systems are, siphon off fuel, things like that, and then you munch the rest of it. Yeah. No, I'm throwing um, a whole Titan in that thing. Nice. <laughs> like those YouTube videos where the I got the, the people throw like different objects in those in those yep. uh, compactors. Yeah, those massive ones, yeah. Yeah. I just want to see that Titan just roll and roll and roll and then finally grip and then just go <laughs> through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that happen to a freelancer. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Well, I've, I wonder, is that something, that's the kind of mechanic where, you know, is that something that, because they did imply in the tractor beam one that you'd need a soft, he did at one point say, you know, a ship that's in soft death um, is something you can kind of start pulling stuff off of, right? Yeah. Uh, if you watch it again, they do say like, because you can't act, you can't just like be showing up at a pad and pulling everybody's guns off their, uh, yeah. their spaceships, right? Um, but I wonder once that's all going and live, could you pull an active ship with a crew like into a recliner chomper and and just munch like, you know, sorry, you're in here and I'm gonna you, you know kill somebody like that. It's real, um, For real science. sort of mafioso. <laughs> well, yeah, right. like mafia style. You know what I mean? Like just a right. tractor beam. You got a tractor. If you got a tractor beam that's strong enough to be standing on the ground to catch an aurora, I'm guessing the reclaimer is going to have one strong enough to hold. You know, that's that quote unquote freelancer with four people in it. If the engines aren't working, yeah, pull it right into the <laughs> pull it right into the chopper, and everybody's just kind of. Even better yet, a Corsair. It tries to be a reclaimer. Mister <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, Tim actually asked a question that was, "Howdy all! Just wondering what software do you prefer uh, for doing the podcast on?" Um, I can answer this, I guess. <laughs> uh, so we record the audio in a in a platform called ZenCaster. The reason I like Zencaster is the audio quality is pretty good. It also is very inexpensive and runs uh, post-production. And instead of having split audio, it combines all the audio tracks for me and removes some audio artifacts as well. Um, it's $20 a month and it 
comes with 10 hours per month of uh, automatic post-production, which I rarely use all 10 hours of. So Zencaster is what we record the podcast in. Super easy. Um, and then I publish the podcast um, with what used to be called Anchor, uh, which is now called Spotify for podcasters because Spotify bought Anchor a while ago. Um, I really like it because it's really easy to quickly um, put the episode up um, using my mobile phone and it will post to, I think, seven different podcasting sites. It has great analytics. Um, the reason initially you could record in um, Anchor slash Spotify for podcasters and that you'll notice, I think our first episode, we did record using that. Um, the reason I moved away from it is one, the audio quality wasn't amazing. Uh, and two, I didn't like the audio itself um, has to be a separate chunk um, from like the music. So I'd have to add a music asset as a, as a piece and then it takes a second and then the audio that of us talking uh, would have to be a piece. So if I wanted to have audio mid podcast that wasn't background noise, I would have to split the track right before for science and then put the for science theme in. Uh, so yeah. rather than do that, I, I decided to go with Zencaster and, and I'm happy about that. But and there, were, uh, there were more issues, I think, with synchronizing <clears throat> the sound i think early on as well um like it I seems like have, some of the early ones they were a little bit more out of sync on maybe occasion. uh we had some issues with zencaster with that too oh, a little bit but i don't know i can't recall i because we haven't had a lot of issues lately and usually it has something to do with um you know issues that people are having with their computer. The other thing to mention about Zencaster is uh, it's really easy for people to join because you don't need, um, you know, you just need your normal headphone setup or whatever. And it uses local cache to um, record. So it's really easy to, to get people's audio and, you know, it downloads, uploads to um, the web-based platform immediately so it's web fully web-based uh limitations i can only have 10 tracks um so anything outside of that i can't do but we never have 10 tracks uh that's when we discovered we we did a live episode um many moons ago and we'll be doing a live episode um in a few weeks for the 100th anniversary i found a new way to conduct a live episode we'll actually test in advance but i'm pretty excited about um, so yeah, Zencaster for recording, Spotify for podcasters for distributing, um, and Spotify allows really easy ad integration. We did just get our first ad, uh, request, um, and it was via Spotify. So you, you, you'll probably start to hear before our episodes, not ever embedded in them, an ad for Spotify for podcasters. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> once we record it yeah once we record the ad um yeah that's uh that's it um so any oh i forgot seaguard what's your question of the week this week all right so this one is i've already posted um so this one is um do you feel that the generic scanner component um 
is limiting play, such as mining, salvaging, pirating, stealth, and missions. Um, do you and then, and then further? Do you think that scanner components um, is a third quarter, fourth quarter, or twenty twenty four target? Uh, and by this, I, we have scanners, right? We we have the mechanic working very well. We can ping, we can scan, we can do those things. But what we don't have is the you know, the level C civilian scanner versus the military grade A versus the industrial B and A and, and all those other things. And we also don't have any of the components like mining has for the mining heads. You have those additional modules that you could are either passive or active that can enhance your ability to mine. We don't have that for scanners. Uh, personally, I think scanning is becoming more and more important. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there's certainly Excellent. more things to show up on scanners, right? Yes, right. A hundred percent. I I don't know why I always say either excellent or a hundred percent. It's like my default key bindings. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, why do I do that? I, hey. There. You know what it is? It's just after a long work day, sometimes Geeky's brain isn't quite there. Yeah, yeah but you could you could maybe come up with something even worse than that. You, you could be something saying something like "Oakley, yupperly do" and run that across like sixty-five <sighs> times. And I said something might... really unusual at work today, and my coworker said, "Yeah, I wouldn't put that one in the rotation." <laughs> 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 I can't remember um, what it was, but it was something real corny sounding, yeah. kind of like what you just said. Um, yeah. And it was like out of thin air. And I was like, why did I just say that? And he's like, I know. Just pull that one off the shelf and put it in storage, please. <laughs> nice. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this puppy up? Uh, Lester off. Any final thoughts? Um, no, it's been a it's been a pleasure uh, being on here, um, and I've I just want to say the the Parlay House since joining has been really cool to be a part of. Um, a lot of different people there, a lot of new people uh, in the last couple of months, um, both new to the game as well. Like probably a month ago, I met a guy that had just bought the game two days before, and everyone was helping him out. Um, a lot of knowledge. It's been good. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks for the shout out. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah. I'm glad everyone enjoys it. So uh, all started with a bad joke. <laughs> I, it is fun. It's just like the podcast. It's like my therapy. I swear. So I still laugh at that that time period when you founded the Parlay House. It must have not been really. It must have not been a fun thought process that right after that happened, I had branding ready to go for the, for the new podcast title because I had a really bad feeling we were going to have to exit that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I picked yeah. the new name. I created a logo. I was ready to go because I was even thinking of, of uh, saying, listen, um, I'm not going to like – Tell Seagard he can't be a part of our podcast, so we're just going to disassociate it from our work. That <laughs> uh, was one of those decisions I made, and then like, <laughs> within like 20 minutes of making that and sending out the text that I was leaving, it was like, huh, 
Do I? That may have been a bad mistake. It's going to be really lonely. You, you <laughs> called me. We talked, I think, for like forty-five minutes while I was standing outside a yeah. bar. I was like, yeah. "Just so you know, I'm a little tipsy." <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> Somebody thought you were talking to your like, "Oh boy, this guy's having a relationship issue." Yeah. Here. Yeah. Keep an eye on him. Or well, like like was... a like a, a day job kind of issue. Yeah. <laughs> and then imagine the people that were waiting for me at the bar um, when I went back. Hey, what was going on? Uh, just something to do with my in-game org. There's drama. We we call those deep and meaningfuls. If you're if you're intoxicated and you have to go like step aside someone, oh, we're just having a deep and meaningful. Yeah, oh, and again, nice. that's that's the kind of stuff that gets shelved. That's, that's uh, just oh, you know, some, something came up. I actually think I I was waiting for somebody anyway. I think that's what happened. I think I can't recall. And actually, you actually had heard the rumblings before you and I even talked. I mean, that's kind of what sparked, well, sparked because, the conversation. Because name unknown or name unmentioned preemptively called me to try and like. Um, I think like, you know, brand, you know, to, to do damage control. Um, you know, we, it was a, our former org was very intense in the sense that we had a lot of structure and a lot, a lot, a lot of like decisions made by very one person. So, <laughs> um, anyway, enough of that. Uh, Kanak, any final thoughts? Yeah, just a few. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to the guys that run Galog. Um, I, yeah, it's a good it's, system. It's all volunteer stuff, uh, unless somebody's getting paid that I don't know about. But if they are, just don't tell me. I'm pretending everybody's volunteering. But it's the kind, it's those kind of websites. It's those kind of tools that make Star Citizen even more enjoyable uh, and fill in a lot of the holes um, or even might inspire some of the developers to say, you know, we'd like to do this kind of stuff in game. And so these, these kind of tools are, are really useful. So carry on with the good work so anybody here that's listening uh if you haven't visited the galog website uh i'm not in i'm not involved with them so me it's an objective and absolutely uh truthful plug of the website it's great um and for uh, for for uh, this one's really the geeky i mean you're getting close to 100 you've had me on more than once uh we've lost a few episodes over the time hopefully this one works out um yeah, I always have a great time when I come to visit. Uh, you you do some great work. It, it really shows some some nice engagement. I always appreciate everybody's humor, and and congratulations on the upcoming hundred episodes. Um, that's it's quite the milestone for podcasts. They don't last that long. Sometimes they're even the ones that are somewhat intermittent on occasion. Uh, you know, you guys, you do some good work. You coordinate some great people. So, congrats to you, and congrats to Chekhov, and Congrats to Seagard and congrats to everybody else that has checked off. Who's that? That's that. <laughs> he's not the Russian guy who sometimes sometimes listens to questions while he's doing bounties. Um, that's very good. Actually. I work with him every day, and that sounds pretty good. I'm the Russian from New Jersey. Um, so, yeah, so that's just my leading into 100. Hopefully, he'll have me back. And, uh, another great time tonight thanks yeah excellent yeah well it was great having you guys uh and uh, much appreciated thank you uh Seagard, how about you sir oh it's great night i enjoyed it a lot i excellent. enjoyed it a lot 
I see. I did it again. Excellent. A hundred percent. hundred percent. hundred percent. There you go. See name of the episode. hundred percent. Excellent. There you go. hundred <laughs> percent. What my brother. No. <laughs> my uh, eldest brother, uh, for some reason, well, his, his in-laws, all of them say, the word awesome extensively. So my sister has a nickname for his in-laws. She calls them the awesomes. Um, she's like, Oh, the awesomes are coming over. But my brother, when he says one time he said awesome and he's like, Oh wow, that's awesome. And it sounded like the guy from I love you, man. Uh, the guy who he goes on a mandate with and he's like, it's awesome. It's awesome. Kick it in the can. Kick it in the can. So now I don't know why, but that's something my brother always says. And now he makes one of himself for it. So that's just to say we geekies have a repetitious habit um, that we can't control. That's fine. Um, so, so now we have to put out feelers. Please submit your, your most ridiculous repeated phrase. Like I'll give you one that dog don't hunt. That's, that's a classic. All right. So if you got any, send them in. We'll read them next week. I mean, mine used to be in theory and now I don't say it that much. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's because you do too much Star Citizen podcasting, and every, everything is in theory. Well, that's no, that's what I mean on the podcast. That's what I used to say. I always yeah. thought, like, because I'm, I'm actually prepping to make some shirts for us if we, if everybody goes to uh, CitizenCon this year, so we can get our little brand out there. And I was going to have originally, I was going to put taglines for each of us based on things that we say, but I was like, eh, never mind. Uh, but instead, now I just have it so that. The front has our logo, and then the back has our in-game name in the same letters as the podcast letters. So it should yep. be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and I did put a question out there last week, but if I, I don't know whether it's worth the effort or not, but um, certainly oh. we could put some merch out there. About the merchandise. And you know yeah. what? It's funny because I was actually thinking at one point that I wanted to get uh ask you for the um the logo uh with everything and i wanted to put it on a mug because i broke my mug at work and i thought ah, if i'm gonna get a mug why don't i just get a star citizen why don't i get a citizen cast mug oh there you go um i'll send you one i'd buy that eventually it's been on so many shows it's kind of nice i I know i'd be willing to pay five bucks or 20 bucks it's okay um but yeah no i think a citizen cast mug would be kind of fun I just thought it would be cool. I want I want some of my own, although I don't want people that I know personally to discover that I have a, a video game podcast and then be like, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this Gallog jersey that I'm wearing is really comfy. It's really comfy. Excellent. Well, um, folks, if you have any questions, ideas, uh, things to talk about for science responses to Seaguard's many questions. Uh, as always, you can submit them by emailing us at citizencastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. Uh, I've been trying to be more active on there, so I've been putting up polls. I post episodes. Um, you could submit a message through the link for Anchor. I don't know how long that'll be active with the change over to. Um, Spotify. Uh, Spotify for podcasters. It's the second part that was confusing me. I'm like, what is it called again? Um, you could join our citizen cast discord, which will likely be where we house 
the live episode, so you may want to join sooner rather than later. And, of course, you can always text us at 646-783-8154, uh, as Lesteroth does, <laughs> uh, the man behind <laughs> the texts. Um, Hello. And of, <laughs> and, of course, as Lesteroth said, Parley House is a great place to interact with, with fellow players of the game, regardless of your play style. Um, so if you are looking for more community help, anything, uh, it's a pretty active group that you can join. And uh, I've been enjoying it uh, myself while while we're waiting for science gameplay to be a uh, a thing. One day there'll be uh, an ISC on science, Geeky. Someday. Someday. Um, and then... <laughs> Gummy bears wow. kicking in now. I didn't have it. I didn't actually have. I didn't have one today. Um, Ooh, I kind of wish I did. It would. It would. Um, uh, you got to well, be on I your A game when I'm on with you. Well, I, I I figured. I was like, with four of us, there's a chance yeah. we could go a little long, and it's one thing for it to start to kick in at the end of the episode. But if we're mid episode, I can get a little fidgety, and then I also I'm sitting there like I want some water, I want some cookies, I need something right now. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, also, check out some friends of the show that are content creators. Uh, we've got Earth, Snorkel, and Undead Parrots videos on YouTube. Um, or you could listen to the music stylings of Admiral Cody and Calibri. Uh, many of the songs are in the episode, and, and they also have um, music inspired by Star Citizen. Um, Star Jump and Grim. I mean, Star Jump Grim and uh, VMX Zio. VM Zio. He, for everyone who doesn't know, it's spelled VMXEO, but it's VMZO, like Zeno. Um, or Xavier. But, uh, exactly. But anyway, uh, they pitched in quite a bit to do build a fleet viewer, and they're also doing a lot of Twitch streaming these days. Some great content out there. And uh, thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, we really appreciate it. Lester off. anytime you want to join, we're happy to have you. Of course, Canuck. Uh, whenever you want to jump in, uh, same here. And that, dear friends, wraps another episode of Citizen Cast. We've got four more weeks to go, or four more episodes to go uh, before the live one. So I'll start announcing probably next week some more details around that. See you next week. <clears throat> I don't always have to be the one to start talking, do I? <laughs> well, so it's, on, it's your show, bud. How do I turn this thing off again? Like, I feel like I'm one of those old parents. Like, is the red light on? Is it recording? Uh, just don't touch anything. The red light's on, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am in well. Tonight we did good for four people. Sometimes it's yeah. like hurting cats, and you know we did pretty good. We didn't step yeah. all over each other. It went well. Everybody stayed on no. topic. Yeah. I'm serious. How do I turn this off? Uh, it'll it'll stop and then you'll still hear us. So you, we'll tell okay. you what to do after. Yeah. Just just Thank don't you. don't it's touch essentially it. Essentially, don't do anything. Just don't touch it. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be yeah another lost Canuck twenty ninety nine episode. Mm. <laughs> that would the be dark files. Yeah, that would be funny, but not funny. Yeah. You know what, Canuck? Maybe I'll include some clips from the missing episodes. Oh. In our hundredth. There you go. Goodbye. It's a really long outro. <laughs>